Welcome to Yak Baby, the only podcast on the internet sponsored by Commando Undies, the only briefs you'll ever need. My name is Aaron, here are my personal pals. <laughs> what? It's the only briefs you'll never need. Commando oh, shit. <laughs> That's right. No problem. Because <laughs> they're just underwear. <laughs> Oh dear, okay. One more time. The Yak Babies. Sex, presidents, and sometimes books. Welcome to Yak Babies, the only podcast on the internet sponsored by Commando Undies, the only briefs you'll never need. My name's Aaron Hammer, personal pals Dave. Hey, boys. We have Brick. Hello. And, of course, we have new American Nico. That's me. Yes, brand new and smelling fresh. Wow, this episode is all about <laughs> what are we reading? It's one of those one of those check-in episodes where we see what's uh, on everyone's reading list. Nico, you are the lucky candidate. You're going first. What have you been reading? Because <laughs> I have to leave early. Yes. Um, <laughs> you have I have out. been reading an absolute streak of just the most mediocre fucking thriller books in the world. Uh, <laughs> it's just, I'm looking at my Goodreads for the last like two months and it's just two stars, three stars, two stars, three stars, like just nothing that's worth wow. hardly even talking about. Um, I guess there's one that's kind of interesting. Uh, it's not a thriller, actually. It's called Together We Will Go. Hmm. And I I think it was an audible deal of the day. And I was skeptical when I got it because it's about these 12 people who get who are all suicidal and they get together to uh, uh, to kill themselves. And they're like Bonnie and – or not Bonnie and Clay, to, to Thelma and Louise themselves together in this bus. And – it turns out that the author is pretty heavily anti-suicide and there's like a link there's a there's a number at the end of the book that's like the national to the national suicide prevention hotline right and it was okay but i feel like that is a fundamental flaw in a novel if you're if you're writing a book about like to convince people not to commit suicide like a not that just doesn't make for a good novel i don't think well it's like uh, a the, novel length psa yeah, so it was there was a lot of pretty weak kind of arguments for suicide and there were and I thought those were interesting. It was like, you know, why is suicide a crime? That doesn't right. make any sense. Uh and then there were these kind of mentions of other cultures where uh, where suicide was uh accepted and and you would just kind of go before a suicide judge and say like I want to kill myself because of this and they'd be like okay that's convincing and then you would take some hemlock and right. that I thought that was interesting but like in the book the only good reason that he comes up with for suicide is if you have a medical condition that causes you a lot of pain and affects your quality of life and even then uh, the one of the people with such a condition decides that you know, oh, she finally fell in love with somebody, so now life is worth living. And there's a lot of that, like, well, if only you found love, or if only mm. you you looked on the bright side, or whatever the fuck. Uh, right. Reminded me a lot of the the Midnight Library, which was a book that about depression, a multiverse mm. book about depression, and the the takeaway was like, just appreciate the life you already have more, and you won't be as depressed. And I feel like that's right. fucking bullshit too. Um, 
yeah, so that was so that sucked. And then mm-hmm. the only other thing I really read that was that's worth noting was this Jade, these Jade books. The, it's this fantasy trilogy called the Greenbone Saga. And the first one is Jade City, uh, and it's kind of described as uh, the Godfather meets Game of Thrones with there's both guns and swords and there's uh magic in the form of this jade that gives gives people uh different powers uh and it's so it's kind of like a and there's also a lot of asian influences uh and and that was pretty interesting it was very episodic i, I mean i listened to the entire trilogy while we were doing some remodeling work uh and mm. so i mean it's pretty good by the end, it started to get a little repetitive because it felt like these. It was so episodic that in the third book, I felt like what was building toward the final climax turned out to just be another episode, and then it ended, and there was still like another <laughs> half of the book to go, right. and it did. It just didn't didn't feel like it built so much as it just kind of kept. It was like a t- like watching a TV show. It's like you know, mm-hmm. quarter this book and then that gets wrapped up and something else happens and then that gets wrapped up. Um, but all in all, pretty good, I guess. I feel like the Green Bone Saga is what I'm going to call my Hulk porno series. <laughs> God damn it. <clears throat> right? <laughs> also, uh, the first book you mentioned, the the Suicide One, it makes me think of, because it does sound like a like an anti-drug commercial, whatever that kind of like that sort of weird, like social yeah. message PSA thing. Could we make novels out of PSAs? Could we t- write a whole novel about that commercial with the dad who tells his son that he's doing drugs? He says, I got it by watching you dad. Remember that commercial? Yeah, sure. There'd be a whole novel about that. Yeah. Or the kids sitting Not on a good one. stairs while the dad gets mad at the mom for making pizza. No. Yeah. Or the frying egg one. These are all great oh, possible yeah. stones for novels. We should keep exploring these. Those sound interesting, uh, but also weird. Did they? I mean, I would read a novelization <laughs> of Cartoon All-Stars to the Rescue. Uh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Man, I love yeah. that. I was so excited about that shit. Yeah. That was great. You know why? Because Michael, <laughs> Michael Angelo was well, Yeah, that was the answer. Yes. Yep, correct. That was the main draw for me on that one. Uh, and of course, the Looney Tunes. <laughs> Dave, let's hear from you. What do you got? Well, in between things right now, I just started a novel called Arlington Park by Rachel Cusk. Mm. But I'm on page four and so far all it is is about the clouds and the rain that are rolling over a neighborhood north of london okay so it's taken me a minute to to step in right no i did read i think i almost blocked this because i dislike the experience so much matt johnson's invisible things his most recent novel and you guys know how much i like him but this Mm -hmm. book did not work at all it was hugely disappointing it kind of felt like he like he wrote it while he was high, which, you know, that's cool. But then he revised it while he was still high. Hmm. And then all of his editors were high while they <laughs> did their work. It just, so no one it could coordinate their highs sense. here. <laughs> yeah. What's it about? So I guess the gist is that like alien abductees for centuries have been deposited into like a biodome on a moon of Jupiter. So the concept is interesting and he, you know, he kind of has wild ideas to begin with and usually they work and they're funny and they're creative. This one just did not land. A lot of it didn't make any sense at all. It was like the kind of book where like two main characters would be in separate places at the same time, but then suddenly 
they're together in the same place, but there was no transition at all. Right. Loose ends don't get tied up. The humor kind of falls flat. What he's going for is commentary on today's, you know, political culture. And that kind of falls short, too. Mm. He just kind of takes the problems that we're having now and puts them on this moon in Jupiter. Gotcha. But it just doesn't work. It didn't work. Uh, I don't know what went wrong. Mm. And I've liked, you know, I've read two or three of his novels, a bunch of his graphic novels. I've liked everything he's done up until now. Um, but this was, this did not work for me. Huh. That's too bad. He did Incognito, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I read that earlier this year. I really liked that a lot. Yeah. Um, and Pym is, you know, oh, right. yes, one of, of my yeah. favorite novels. Another one of his is really good called Loving Day. He's just, he's an excellent writer. Just, And I've been, you know, eagerly anticipating this book and then, ugh. Yeah. Really, it just fell flat. Now, were you high when you read it? I should have been. It might have it helped. It could have been the issue. There, there should be yeah. a little readers, like the forward should be like, this is where you should dose and this is how much. And like, start going through this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then maybe Comes some of this will make sense. Yeah, right. And if it doesn't, you won't care. Yeah. <laughs> but that reminds me, I also, I did read another book mm-hmm. called The Deluge by Stephen Markley. He's the guy who wrote Ohio a few years back, which... I think Stephen King called it the grapes of wrath of the opioid epidemic. Oh, right. Yeah. Excellent book, Ohio. Um, so the deluge is new one is it's like not, it's a 900 pager. It's a real brick. And I was, you know, sort of expecting that I would, you know, get a couple chapters in and then just lose momentum, but I didn't. It's super good. It's like a dystopia, I guess. It starts maybe in 2012. It's really climate focus it's a climate change novel i suppose Mm -hmm. and then carries up through i think the 2030s and shit just goes sideways everywhere but like in the same way that things are going sideways now so it's like you know he brings us up to the point where we are now and we see people and society making the same decisions Mm -hmm. that we continue to make uh and everything just goes really wrong the way that, you know, everything is going to go really wrong right. in this real version. There's like a sort of Trumpian religious character who becomes prominent and a presidential candidate. Hmm. You know, there there are Joe Manchin type Democrats who fuck everything up. Kevin McCarthy type Republicans who, you know, do what they do. It's really well done. And the, the writing itself is compelling. So you follow maybe six main characters throughout like rotating points of view and then like following a timeline too. There's like a member of a, I guess they probably call him like an eco-terrorist organization Mm. who, you know, you're really rooting for along the way. Mm. Um, Yeah. It's just super well done. That sounds good. And also if you haven't read Ohio, give that a look too, because that was really good. I should say though, that deluge doesn't come out until like February. Oh wow. I guess it's not, actionable for now <laughs> so you gotta a reviewer's copy or maybe if i can remember when we'll talk about it in the future when it when it does yeah totally but yeah super good i didn't you know again 900 pages but my interest didn't flag at all i i think i got through it in i don't know two or three weeks that's awesome excellent Brick, what about you uh i got a few i, I started the road uh prompted me to not not the road outside <laughs> the book the road yeah i heard that the same <laughs> prompted me to give a few post-apocalyptic novels a shot. Oh, cool. 
historically not a genre I like very much. I think one of the questions I had when reading The Road was, is this the best post-apocalyptic novel? Right. And I, don't, I have no way of knowing that. So uh, I read a couple. So uh, one I read, because I saw it suggested by someone on Twitter, it's called The Annual Migration of Clouds by Primi Mohammed. Hmm. It's a novella. It's like maybe 150 pages. It was pretty good. It It's like a climate change post-apocalypse. The voice is very strong and, and the writing style is very strong. Uh, and I liked that the it's not a save the world kind of story the you know due to being a novella or whatever it sort of exists within the context of this world and some of the larger questions are just not answered like it's sort of the the book sets up like this uh the protagonist is going to go off on this kind of big journey to this thing that may or may not be real right but then ends up being sidetracked and drawn into like their their life and their in their colony or whatever that ends up being the entire scope of the story and the other thing never never gets answered and i I like when stories do that so it it was pretty good Plus, I like a good short book. Sure. I have also started, I'm only about 50 pages in, um, a book called The Slinks, which is a Russian novel from, I think, the 80s, maybe the 90s, in translation um, by an author named Tatiana Tolstaya. Hmm. I like it so far. It's, it's pretty good. It's about, um, it's a post-nuclear Chernobyl kind of story. It takes place not too long after... A nuclear event enough that the world's kind of ruined but um there's still some people that have memory of the before time um mm-hmm. i'm not far enough in to really even know what the plot is yet but uh the world building's pretty good um i think if if uh if i had drawn nico and secrets in i think i would have suggested this book to him i get it i get a sense he would like it so hmm. uh, maybe if we do another round i'll make him read it totally so there's that and then and then um finally i mentioned when i was reading these episodically i think the first two or three issues the last ronin by uh kevin eastman oh, yeah. and peter laird the original ninja turtle comics they got the team back together to write this five part also post-apocalyptic uh not intentionally but that falls thematically but it does right which is essentially meant to be like the end of their story so like it's a final chapter for the ninja turtles written by the original artist that doesn't really take into account it sort of plays off the sorry i'm not gonna call my publishers idw mm-hmm series that i never finished i read like 75 issues apparently I went all the way to 100 and then changed tracks or something so maybe i'll read the rest of those someday but right it sort of plays off of that it's very good essentially it's uh three of the four ninja turtles are dead and the shredder's right. dead and splinter's dead and this last turtle is is kind of fucked in the head so sort of all the turtles live in his head but then he's only one of them uh and then the whole it's a five-part thing where he's essentially trying to uh, go on a suicide mission to get revenge on the Shredder's uh, son or grandson. I can't remember. Gotcha. Yeah, I've heard it described as like the Dark Knight Returns for it's, it's very good. Ninja Turtles. Yeah, so yeah. like the art's cool. It is gritty without being silly. Mm. And it's it's pretty heartfelt. So like a lot of it is flashbacks on like learning how each of the brothers died. Right. And so that's like each each kind of chapter is like him progressing on his kind of suicide mission uh, and then also learning a little bit about how the other turtles uh, or Casey Jones or whoever died. So it's, it's, you know, it's fun to see all your childhood characters get killed. That's, that's fun. Yeah. That's a comics thing is like taking the, you know, lighthearted or, I mean, I guess turtles didn't start as lighthearted, but still like kind of the childhood property and sort of seeing like the dark future, right? That's like a very yeah. It, uh, it's always it's a reliable format. It's pretty dark. It does the it does the post apocalyptic thing pretty well. It's like sort of the Shredder's. Uh, I mean, I think he still goes by Shredder. I can't remember, but his it's his grandson or whatever has sort of taken over New York and turned it into this kind of Blade Runner style mm. city. 
uh, where, where he's got kind of like an authoritarian sort of presence, right? And they, like a police state run under the Foot Clan and all that. And so there's like, you know, there's like kind of an underground of the the, the punk rebel fighters or whatever that he, he meets up with. It's, it's very good. Uh, and, the, and, the, and the art's That's very cool. good. I don't know that I would want to read 25 issues of it, but it's there's right. five issues, but they're longer than a normal comic issue. I think the whole... And then, so this is the... They put them all out in one hardback, which is nice. Yeah. I think the whole thing's like, no, it doesn't have page numbers, but the whole thing's probably 150 pages. Um, so. Yeah. That makes sense. Very, very good. That's cool. I think it's on Hoopla. I gotta check it out. I, I've heard lots of good stuff about it from you and from others. Yeah, I really, I really liked it. It sounds yeah. pretty fun. The also, uh, is it drawn by Kevin Eastman? Uh, yes. So, well, I wow. think some of it. Oh, okay. The art style is not the so the, the way it works is the flashback scenes are written by or drawn by Kevin Eastman. So when he oh, cool. when That's he's fun. recalling what happened when he went so like I'm not gonna I won't spoil it but the, the surviving turtle sort of kind of fucked off for five years between between the the sort of the big red wedding kind of situation and then and then the the present of this story and then so those scenes are told through flashbacks that are drawn in the original art style. And then the rest of it, it looks like the same, well, I can say the name right here. Oh, there's like six. Tom Waltz, uh, Ben Bishop. I think those are all cover writers. It's the same art style as the IDW comics, so it's it's gotta be the same. Okay. Which, by the way, those are very good if you haven't read them. There's a lot of them, so it's a little hard to jump into, but at least the first, I think I read 75 and I kind of fell off. The first 50 issue arc was very good. Yeah, I heard that some good stuff about that too. I should check that out. Awesome. A couple more comics things on my end. One, I just finished this. It's called Superman Space Age. This is a kind of a prestige format. It's like 90 pages. Um, so it's basically a small trade. Uh, but it's one story by Mark Russell and drawn by Mike Allred and colors by his wife, Laura Allred. Uh, I've always liked Mike Allred's art. I've never been a fan of his writing so much. Uh, so I always like seeing his stuff. Mark Russell's a great writer. He did the series Prez I liked a lot. And he did that Flintstone series that I was fond of as well. He's like he's he's like the moral voice in comics these days. It seems like he kind of has the... Um, he wrote that series Second Coming about Jesus returning to the world, which I really like too. He has this clear-headed kind of like humanist philosophy approach where he... I mean, he was a biblical studies major i think um he was like going to go into the seminary i think and then sort of kind of rejected organized religion but still has like he still believes in the principles of like being good and like doing good in the world but questions it and so questions you know how those things are presented to you so this comic is about superman kind of putting him in 1963 ish maybe 65 i can't remember the exact date which is different kind of like moving up his debut to, to the Silver Age, uh, to the Silver Age as opposed to the Golden Age. And the question is like, how do you, what does it take to agree to be Superman? Like, how do you know this is your job? And he doesn't know. Um, he wants to go out and do things. He sees the world's in a bad place. He wants to go out and try and change it. But Pa Kent says like, well, how do you know? Like what's, uh, Pa Kent's more cautious about people who want to go out and save the world because he's a war veteran and he has different experiences. And so there's kind of this back and forth, but there's also like little moral tales kind of throughout. There's a, a scene where Lois Lane goes uh, to report on the, the freedom riders in the South and she ends up imprisoned with them. And there's a kind of like a vignette there. There's some discussions about the military industrial complex. It's a really good, I think like thoughtful 
explanation of of why Superman's morality works. So this was really, I really enjoyed this. This is book one of, I think, three. So looking forward to more of that. And then my favorite thing recently is this issue. It's a one-shot called Batman One Bad Day, The Riddler, number one. This is by Tom King and Mitch Garrods. The team who brought us Mr. Miracle, which is a book I really loved. I am a sucker for Tom. I read old Tom King stuff. I'm just like in the bag for Tom King. And his work with Mitch Garrett is probably the best of the stuff that he does, or at least some of it. The idea here is this is a whole series of one shots about Batman villains. And the idea is that they're all one bad day from being quote unquote normal, right? This is a thing that came up in Alan Moore's The Killing Joke, where his premise was that, you know, one bad day turned the Joker into the Joker, right? So kind of applying that framework to all these villains. Like, what 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 was the Riddler's one bad day? And it's tough because the Riddler is, you know, one of the, you know, dopier <laughs> villains, right? He's a guy who gives you clues about how to solve his crimes. Like, he's the, the, the least threatening villain you could think of because he has a built-in fail-safe mechanism to make sure he doesn't get to do what he wants to do. The premise here is... What if that wasn't the case? So it starts off with some guy, some office worker, just going about his day, and then the Riddler just walks up and shoots him in the head. Like, unprompted, there's no connection. He just, like, fucking kills the guy in broad daylight, gets arrested, and wants to talk to Batman. And the cops are sort of trying to figure out how to, like, why did he do this? What was the connection? What was the crime? And he goes into his past, and there's sort of like a, discuss- like a little investigation of, you know, what turns someone into this kind of you know, obsessed psycho. Um, and it really takes all the tropes of the Riddler and inverts them. So at the end, he basically tells Batman, like, I'm, I'm, you can't do anything to stop me. And I, I have to, if you either have to kill me or let me go free. Uh, and that's your choice you have to make. And it's a really interesting kind of standoff, uh, between these two characters. And I really loved it. It's great. The art's great. I mean, Mitch Garris has that kind of realistic style, but it's also, a bit sort of warped so it feels scary and sinister um while still feeling comic booky um and has a good kind of twist ending too um i think you probably could see it coming uh i certainly did but it wasn't dissatisfying uh and it really inverts or it challenges your notion of what you think batman's supposed to be i'll say that i don't want to spoil it because if you do read it it's worth getting to that moment yeah really loved it uh, there's others coming, but not by Tom King and the, not by Mitch Garrett. So I'm less excited about those, but hopefully they'll be as interesting because this was really a winner for me. Well, that's it. That's what we've been reading these days. Uh, listeners, tell us what you are reading. Can I, can I ask you guys, can I ask you guys a, a non Brodobo bro question? Wow. Uh, you asked me a question, yak to yak? <laughs> yeah, just yak to yak. Wow. Well, you guys both live, it's, we're recording this Labor Day weekend and you both you kind of are, I guess, obligated to save a lot of your reading, your pleasure reading for summertime. So you look forward to that and you like have your stack of books that you want to read in the summer. How did that go? Like, did you get to everything you wanted? No, no, not even close. No, I did decently well during the first part of summer when I wasn't teaching. And then as soon Mm. as I started the moving process and started teaching my summer classes, everything went to hell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but I, got, I, got, I burnt through a couple books towards that first part of summer, and I was really happy with that. You know, some experiments there, which was good. But yeah, there's never... I always have bigger eyes than than the plate will actually make room for. You can see in the video, you, the listeners can't see it, but you guys can see it right there. That stack of books next to the bookshelf is books I've bought since I put that bookshelf yeah. together. <laughs> so it's like, I'm still... I'm, I want to buy... I want to read so, many, so much stuff, and I just keep buying it, and then I, I slow down my reading even more, so... That's a impressive anal bead collection you have back there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, different <laughs> sizes, different colors and textures. 
yeah, you can see the favorites. You can tell because of the discoloration. It's the same. I work-wise, not not same with anal beads. Same <laughs> with books, Dave. I work-wise, July was not as much as August, so got a fairly good charge into starting to read things in July, and then August I haven't read that much, unfortunately. So well, you I am. Too, I am. So that, that well, I moved in the spring though, but I am still steadily making progress on that Moonstone book, which I'm liking quite a bit. Which. To, you said it's not gothic the way you thought it was, but it's no, like, still it's like very much in, yeah, it's very much in like the Sherlock Holmesy vein. Hmm. It's good, that's cool. But I feel like I'm I'm about a third of the way through, and it feels like it's about to hit some kind of turning point. Hmm. Either that, or it's going to fizzle out and then do something boring for 400 pages, one or the other. So we'll see. We'll see if I still like it after whatever pivot it takes. But. Right. Yeah, I think that once I'm gonna, I'm making concerted effort this semester to try and spend more time reading and just like having like a doing things for my pleasure than i usually do um and i think that living on my own will make that not more possible just like a different way because i there's just more space to use and i can like i feel like I'm, i work better when i have my own like dedicated space here in the office i can go to the living room and read there and then come work here and work faster and maybe since more time so start doing the thing i do where there's just book stations around the house and you pick at them when you happen to be near them Literally, I have yeah. books in the living room, bedroom, and my office in different stacks. Oh, you have like a two-bedroom place? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the office, I'm going to put a little... When I get my couch, I'm going to move the chair in here and put a lamp and make a little reading nook area. And hopefully having a space to do it will, will make me more inclined to sit down and do some longer reading. Yeah. yeah. That's what I always like about your place, Brick, is that they're like all these different reading stations where you have <laughs> yeah, books well, that I'm just in this room, stay I read at that this station book. and... Yeah. <laughs> I remember we were taught you were you were talking about it. I think a Zadie Smith book once, and and a what are we reading? And you couldn't find it. Like you thought maybe it was close to hand, but you're like, I don't know. It's somewhere in the house. And I'm like, I, I never have that experience where I don't know where the book I'm reading is. Yeah. <laughs> what chair were you last in when you were reading it? And you'll find it next. Yeah, time. like which part of this one room? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's how my brain works. My bathroom is too small to have to put books in but if it had if it was a bit bigger i would definitely have a reading station in the bathroom too well, listeners tell us what you're reading these days find us on twitter at yak babies you can also email us at yak babies podcast at gmail.com with all those thoughts and ideas also go to patreon.com slash yak babies and get access to our bonus podcast there's a hundred that's a hundred there's more than a hundred things there there's tons of stuff there for you for only a dollar a month you can get games and bro conversations and separate podcasts about ghost jokes and candy rankings oh man candy tournament part two coming soon uh so look for that yeah we're gonna need to figure out the parameters for that yeah just more candy just do it again so, <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> just do it again and bigger and get sicker uh, so pay your dollar and get access to that and of course our merch at tinyurl.com slash babies where we have t-shirts and mugs and posters with bricks designs in them all really good inside jokes there's one coming i won't spoil it there's one coming soon from an old emi game that is Dark. fantastic it's so mm. it's dark incredibly dark but really good and people will really question your like <laughs> mindset if you wear it but you. worth it for sure yeah fucking great let's check that out until then yak babies yakking off the yak babies would like to thank all the loyal listeners and especially their patrons both past and present including michael bonnie sebastian david roger kathleen bailey andrew gilbert and william howard taft Oh.